Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger. As always, surprising you with new topics every week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And we have lots to unpack this episode. UFC 291 goes down this Saturday, uh, July 29th, 2023. Lots of good fights. Uh, Definitely going to be buying this pay-per-view, that's for sure. And we'll be unpacking every single fight, giving my official predictions for the main card and the unofficial predictions for the prelims, as always. We also are going to be talking about Oppenheimer. I did see that last night, so we will give a review of Oppenheimer. We've also got some Ultimate Fighter news. We're going to be diving into a little conspiracy theory today. We've got all sorts of stuff today on the Surprise Jam podcast. And it's a pretty nice day out. Pretty good day. You know, Saturdays are... There's just something about Saturdays. I don't know if it's just the stigma that it's considered a weekend day. You know, you have nothing to do on a Saturday. And you have nothing to do on a Sunday, which means you can stay up late. So Saturdays just always bring such good vibes. And that is just what we are bringing today with UFC 291. But we've actually got some miscellaneous things to talk about. Um, in the NFL realm, we have two two noticeable things I saw in the AFC regarding some quarterbacks. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on those briefly. Um Justin Herbert, current quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, just reached a five year, two hundred sixty two point five million dollar extension. Justin is young twenties, will now be with the team probably until his um late twenties, early thirties. And, I mean, I like this move from the Chargers. I certainly do think Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. But, you know, they haven't really produced much, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. He's got some great, great targets. I mean, Joshua Palmer was so underrated last year. I mean, do we even need to mention Keenan Allen? Mike Williams started out pretty good. But, man, Justin Herbert, still young, very happy. But when I'm looking at the AFC West... Okay, you know, you got the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, and of course the Chargers. And I'm really not knowing if the Chargers can compete with the Chiefs. I mean, don't get me wrong. They always offer up challenges to the Chiefs, you know, the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers. It's just some about divisional matchups where even like the top dogs, I'm talking like, if you want to consider the Chiefs, the Eagles, the... Gosh, the Patriots at the time, even when they had Tom Brady, you know, they were they were the top powerhouse, but even they would lose to divisional opponents that weren't as good as them. So when I'm looking, I'm I'm seeing the Chiefs as the clear number one. You know, I could see the Chargers maybe contending, but I really don't. Okay, Chargers definitely gonna fall into the number two spot. I feel the Chargers are better than the Raiders and the Broncos, but they're just they're not gonna reach the Chiefs level. I mean, they have Austin Eckler, but other than that, they need a lot more weapons. I mean. Bosa can only get you so far. I'm pretty sure Cleo Mack's still on the team. I suppose we'll see. And Raiders and Broncos, I mean, that's just my split for three and four. I mean, I can easily see the Raiders taking third. I can see the Broncos taking third. But they're going to swap between that third and fourth spot. So, honestly, honestly, I feel like the Chiefs are just a dynasty right now. And they're riding high off their uh, Super Bowl win. I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna repeat, you know. I mean, my Minnesota Vikings, all right, we're cooking up something. All right. Y- y'all haven't figured out we're we're doing something. 
We're not only going to win the division, we're going to shock you all and win every playoff matchup and the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. But um, besides my ban, not my bandwagon, was it? Besides my uh, bias towards my home team, we do have some unfortunate news regarding another AFC quarterback, this time in the AFC North, as Joe Burrow. I don't know what he hurt at practice, but he had to be carted off the field. It's going to miss the first few weeks of the season. That is such a hit for the Bengals. But if I'm the Steelers, if I'm the Ravens, if I'm the, oh, mind blanking. Who's the other team? If I'm the Browns, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because you now don't have Joe Shiesty in there. You can easily pick up a few wins over the Bengals to start the season. Because don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, they got great wide receivers. Joe Mixon, talk about just having an absolute turnaround to his NFL career, was top 10 last year, maybe even top 5. Gosh, who else do they got? I mean, decent defensive players, but I mean, the Ravens definitely have worked up something. The Steelers definitely improved. I Can we even say the Browns have improved? I just love that the Browns always suck. I, that's kind of just like the gag, the gag joke in the NFL, that the Browns suck. It's just funny. They always, you always think they're gonna do good. Actually, you don't. The, their fans always convince you they're gonna do good, and they just always end up sucking. So, I feel bad for Joe Shiesty. You know, Joe Burrow will be out, but I don't know. Should I even pick him up in fantasy football? I'm kind of hesitant now. I mean, I was thinking about how Deshaun Watson was like, oh, okay, everyone. I'm, once Deshaun comes back, week 11, week 12. I mean, I'm gonna be an absolute dog, and he absolutely sucked. So. The AFC uh, North, AFC West, going to be some interesting divisions this year. That's all the NFL news we got for today. There's always more NFL news. And, I mean, fantasy football season's going to be kicking off pretty soon. NFL going to be going crazy. So, very excited for that. But in terms of some drama, I mean, let's turn towards reality TV in the UFC realm. The Ultimate Fighter Episode 9 dropped Tuesday? I forgot what day Tuesday was. And um, it was very good. Was it? I always like to say they always do a good job up until the fight of just like f- with filler stuff, you know. Oh, just like training, talking to your family, sweet stuff like that. However, the actual fight was very boring. So we were in the lightweight division, Austin Hubbard and Roosevelt Roberts. They were boys. I think they tried to get Austin to switch teams to McGregor. And I think he just denied that <laughs> because they didn't know what to do. But uh, Brad Katona actually switched teams. No one knows who Brad Katona is. He actually won the Ultimate Fighter. I think it was either season 27, 28 or something like that. And he trains with McGregor in Ireland. And I was seeing a little preview of next week because I think Brad fights next week. Uh, it was Brad was really happy to be on his team. And I know that... Team Chiller's not going to be happy with that. But anyways, as for Austin Hubbard and Roosevelt Roberts, talk about just a technical fight. Nothing happened. I missed the decision, kind of, because my stream was lagging. Uh, I've really been Wi-Fi at my house, so even the ESPN app loads super slow. And I just saw that Austin Hubbard won by decision. I mean, quite possibly nothing happened. I think he landed a takedown at one point, but I can't recall. Roosevelt... They just, Dana said it best, you know, he wants guys to go out there and get it, and neither guy looked like they wanted it, so. Roosevelt, you're kicked out. I don't even know if he's going to come back to the UFC after having a fight like that, 
Because, I mean, you can starch an up-and-coming contender, whoever he fought in episode one. But then we find someone like Austin Hubbard, who's actually like, I, he is a veteran. He is truly a veteran. And you're losing. It's You don't really offer Dana White much room, Sean much room to re-sign you. So, Austin Hubbard will fight the winner of Jason Knight and Kurt Holobo. Without a doubt, I'll be rocking with Jason Knight in that matchup. Probably my submission. I like a Jason Knight submission over Kurt Holobo whenever that fight goes down. But we're going to Bantamweight next weekend. That's right. Brad Katona, very talented, very good. Former winner of the Ultimate Fighter. We'll be taking on Timur Valevin, man. Timur's good. Timur's good. I think I saw a clip that Islam Makachev's visiting next uh, episode Tuesday. So that'll be super exciting to see. But Brad Katona, that's going to be probably the match of the match of the year so far for the Ultimate Fighter, <laughs> not match of UFC in general. The winner of Brad and Timur will take on Rico Desculio versus Cody Gibson. Rico, the last official, last OG, if you want to call it, member of Team McGregor, of course, avoided the sweep. He takes on Cody Gibson. I forget, who did Cody beat? I can't recall who Cody beat. Is he the one that beat, uh, gosh, the, the barber on team uh, Mando? I think he beat Mando. I can't really recall. All the episodes just blend together. I mean, this was just a white from Team Chandler. Yeah, I'll be, um, hmm, I'm torn. I'm not really like a fan of Brad or Timor sp- specifically, so I'll just hope for a very good fight. But as for Rico and Cody, I'm I'm rocking with Rico, man. He, he was entertaining on, uh, what was that, episode eight? Yeah, he fought on the uh, previous episode. But yeah, I want to see guys go out there and get it. I mean, this is that's why I like I question if I should even cover uh, Dana White's contender series because you don't know much about these guys until they fight. I was thinking I saw, gosh, who was it? There's someone fighting this weekend who was on the contender series. What's his name? It was Claudio Ribeiro. And he had like a 25-second knockout on the Dana White's Contender Series. He makes his debut, and Abdullah Razak al-Hassan literally knocks him out in the second. And then after that fight, he comes out, and he knocks out whoever he fought next. Claudio did. And it just, you're like, okay, there's levels to this. How can I analyze this to tell who's best? And I think Brad and Timur are both on that level, so that fight should be super interesting. That'll be episode 10 on Tuesday. And I forgot when the Ultimate Fighter um, episodes with when the finale was taking place. It was either August 12th, the prelims at 292, or Singapore. I cannot recall for the life of me. I think I think it's I think it's August 12th, the Vicente Luque Rafael dos Anjos Apex card. But I can't recall. I'm kind of mind blanking on it. I apologize. But the Ultimate Fighter, I love it. It's fun. But let's move on. Because we have got so many fight announcements. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. UFC was going nuts last uh, episode. Not last episode. Last uh, last few days. So let's talk about all the fights that came out. Because we did have some fight cancellations for uh, UFC 291. But we will not talk about those at the moment. Let's dive into the featherweight division in the UFC. All right. Number 9, Giga Chikadze, will be taking on number 15, Alex Caceres, at UFC Singapore. It has been so long since Giga fought. Man, he last fought, I'm pretty sure, January 2022. So it has been a, 
when he fights, it'll have been a year and eight months since he last fought. And he'll be taking on Alex Casera. Is very happy Alex is finally getting a shot back at a top 10 opponent. And I believe this will be the co-main. I assume it will be under uh, Holloway and Korean Zombie. But I'm all here for it, man. That's so entertaining. And early prediction, I got Rock with Giga. I just feel like Giga's striking is better than Caceres's. But we'll see how the takedown game goes. But, I mean, it's crazy. You know, Calvin Cater absolutely bludgeons Giga in January of 2022. Giga hasn't fought since then. Since that fight, Cater is yet to win a fight. I'm pretty sure he's dropped a fight to Emmett. Dropped a fight to uh, <coughs> excuse me, Arnold Allen. And now, who knows who Calvin Cater's going to fight. I think Calvin Cater should fight Mosvar Evlov. That's just my personal belief. And we also have number 14, Edson Barbosa, and number 11, Sodiq Yusuf. I'm so happy Sodiq is fighting. It has been way too long since my boy Sodiq fight. He actually last beat Alex Caceres, I'm pretty sure, in 2022. I honestly can't even remember. It's been, it's been way too long. And that's for Edson Barbosa. I mean, he's coming off a nasty knockout of Billy Corantillo. I mean, that was that was a dirty knockout. He hit him with a knee when he was, like, shooting for a takedown or something and just face plants him. Puts him right to sleep. Very, very, very happy that Sodique's getting a fight. It does kind of suck that he's fighting down. But I guess it's Edson Barbosa. So, I mean, when you fight legends, it's kind of different. So it's a good name for the resume. So very happy. Early prediction, Sodiq Yusuf by decision. Or maybe by knockout, because I love Sodiq. The last featherweight matchup that we had announced was number 12, Bryce Mitchell, and number 13, Dan Ige. The talk is over. These two are going to fight. And man, last time we saw Bryce, when was that? That was UFC 282, I believe, in December of 2022, where he was getting bludgeoned by Iotopira. As for Danny, I think he beat Damon Jackson earlier this year, if I can recall correctly. Knocked him out cold, as always. Danny Gay loves knocking out unranked contenders and then struggling with ranked guys. So as for this, I mean, I kind of like both guys, but I just feel that Danny Gay will ultimately win on the feet, but that Bryce, make, Bryce Mitchell's takedowns will be the difference maker. So I might even go with a little bit of Bryce Mitchell by controversial split decision. And that's all the featherweight fights we had announced. We also had a welterweight fight announced between Santiago Ponsonibio and Daniel Rodriguez. That just feels like such an even matchup. Two guys, similar stand-in styles, both coming off of nasty knockout losses. It just feels like the right matchup for them. As for Santiago, he's definitely in the latter stages of his career. Whereas for Daniel Rodriguez, I mean, there's a point where Daniel was fighting Neil, fighting up against Neil Magny. And then he was knocked out by... He's finished by Neil, knocked out by Ian Gary, and now he finds himself fighting Santiago Pantimio. So, very good matchup in the welterweight division. That goes down September 16th on the... What is that? The uh, like the Mexico, the Mexico card, if you want to call it that. It's it's officially something. It's hashtag Nocho UFC. Whatever. What's Noche mean? Noche. Noche UFC translation to English is night. Oh, I think it's like fight night, but yeah, 
So that Edson Barbosa fight, by the way, is happening in October at some point. And I don't recall where the Danny Gay Bryce Mitchell fight is taking place, but I do know it's going down. And I do know that September 23rd, we are going to begin Rafael Fazeev and Matus Gamera in the UFC lightweight division. Oh my goodness, such a good fight. Rafael is six, Matus is seven. This is such a perfect fight. All right, you have Matus coming off of a very bad split decision against Jalen Turner. That was just a sloppy fight from both sides. And you have Rafael Fazeev, who was humbled by the man who's fighting this Saturday in the main event, Justin Gaethje, last time out at uh, UFC 286. So, a good bounce-back fight for both guys. We get five rounds. Super, super happy that this fight's going down. And speaking of lightweights, Hanato Moicano wants to fight Josh Evett at lightweight. He's calling him out, man. I'm here for it. I love it. And the UFC rankings actually did update. And we have some very interesting updates. So, Diego Ferreira is now ranked at UFC in the UFC lightweight division. He takes Demir's Magulov's spot at 15. Kenny Nchukwe comes on the UFC rankings at 15. But Dustin Jacoby and Alonzo Menfield are tied at 14. I don't know. Light heavyweight division active, mad goofy. Paul Craig debuts at number uh, 14 in the middleweight division. Jonathan Martinez moving up two spots to number 13 in the men's bantamweight division. And yeah, that's kind of, that's pretty much it, actually. I, I thought there was a lot more updates, but after this card this weekend, we're going to be getting a lot of updates. Very, very excited for that. I believe that's all of my new little fight announcements of sorts. I don't think anything else has been announced. I think I have pretty much covered all the big ones. That were announced. So we will actually before we dive into UFC 291, I want to talk about Oppenheimer, guys. All right, no one knows Oppenheimer, big film out right now, starring Cillian Murphy as ooh, what is it? J. Robert Oppenheimer, basically about the guy who created the nuclear bomb. Saw it at an AMC theater. Two of my buddies at nine o'clock at night. And that will be the last time I will be at an AMC theater. The seats were way too close. They did not recline. The aisles were close. Uh, they didn't even close the door so I could hear people in the hallway. Seeing this movie at 9 was not a good idea. I was dozing the last hour of the film, which if that doesn't give a hint, is that it is a long movie. It is three hours. I'll say the first half. The first half, like, when the movie begins, you're not going to be falling asleep, okay? You're going to be locked in. The second act of the movie, very entertaining. They're building the bomb, post-bomb, all that stuff. But the third act is just so much trials, so much dialogue. It just gets it gets repetitive when you compare it to the first act, where they're doing so many more trials amidst all the other stuff that's going on. But my official ranking of the movie, 7.9 out of 10. It was, I've got some good, I've got some bad, but overall, I mean, you just got to give it to Christopher Nolan. He put together this film. So much, I can just tell so much effort went into this film. So many scenes, the costumes, the dialogue, the dialogue's crazy, man. I want to see the script for this film because I bet it's long and all credit to Slayer Murphy because he definitely had the most lines in this film. And I for, 
this is one of those movies where you forget they're actors. You you see actors, you're like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. But you see them portraying the characters. Now, I won't lie, for Robert Downey Jr., it did become, that's Robert Downey Jr. playing that character. That was that for me. But for Cillian Murphy, I saw him as Oppenheimer. Uh, same thing for Matt Damon. It wasn't really, um, gosh, who did Matt Damon? Matt Damon played Leslie Groves, who's like this army, this like general. It it was it was Matt Damon in a in a suit in like not suit a in, in a uh, uniform that's what it is in an army uniform but certainly very good um, not the best I mean the length certainly kills it but the stars in this film were absolutely crazy Cillian Murphy playing J Robert Oppenheimer the lead okay Emily Blunt John Krasinski's wife playing Kitty Oppenheimer his his first wife I believe you know and I mean Emily Blunt this is I remember her from Jungle Cruise, and I remember her from, what's the movie, uh, like, Don't don't Look, Don't Speak? The movie with John Krasinski. Oh, my gosh, what's that called? Don't Make a Sound or something? I don't know. Whatever the one movie with aliens and stuff. She was, she was like an alcoholic in this film. She didn't like her kids. She hated her life. Wow, such a good actress is Emily Blunt. Of course, Matt Damon is Leslie Groves. Um, spoilers incoming. All right, spoilers incoming, so I want you guys to skip a bit forward if you don't want to hear this, but Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. I did not realize that Robert Downey Jr. was the villain in this film. He was the one trying to portray Silly Murphy, trying to dis discredit, that's the word, discredit J. Robert Oppenheimer because of a dispute they had had at a dinner previously. And I think that's what I got. I mean, I was kind of dozing the last hour, but I did kind of catch that Robert Downey ended up being the villain, if you want to call it that. Um, Jason Clark as Roger Robb. Jason Clark, uh, Don of the Planet of the Apes. He's the main lead role. He's also in White House Down. White House Down is of uh, the villain. You'll recognize his face. Tony Goldwyn played um, one of the Senate guys. Tony Goldwyn, you will... Definitely recognize him. I'm trying to find what movie he's been in. I mean, he's just one of those actors that you recognize. I, I can't find a specific movie that uh, I could compare with. Just the face you recognize. I mean, was there Gregory Jabara? Another face you would recognize. I'm just reading their actor names. Tom Conti as Albert Einstein looked so good. Albert Einstein. Uh, it was kind of a cameo, but I mean, the whole plot almost was this conversation that J. Robert Oppenheimer had with Albert Einstein in the beginning of the movie, and you were viewing it through uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective when you were just waiting to see it through J. Robert Oppenheimer's perspective. And that's kind of how the movie ended, and it's kind of just this realization from Cillian Murphy, from Oppenheimer, that, you know, he's unleashed this on the world, and... He struggles with living with, was this a good decision? Should I have done this? And it was, he regretted it. He didn't regret it. It was, it was very good. I enjoy, I enjoyed that, like, mentally, like, should I have done this? Was this a good idea? And it just makes you think, was it a good idea? Should we have dropped it? You know, we're all so pro-America. But then you realize, like, they killed, what was it, 70,000 innocent Japanese lives and it was for the greater good in our minds. And I mean, it was either we send our own troops and they die or we kill these innocents. 
and they die. I mean, it's it's it really is depressing when you think about it. But it was just done so well. Um, we also had, I mean, I'm just gonna rattle off some names that of just faces you would recognize: David Krumholtz as Isidore Rabai, Matthias Schweigorfer as Werner Heisenberg. Uh, he was in he was in some Netflix movie. I was trying to think of Alex Wolf as Luis Alvarez. He was. Gosh, what movie was he in? He was in... Oh, man. I, I got... I'm trying... He's like this younger actor. I mean, what, oh, my gosh. I'm mind-blanking here. I'm mind-blanking here, ladies and gentlemen. He was in... He was in Old. That's not what I saw him in, but that's probably what most people recognize him in. Uh, You also had... Gosh, where? Where are they? Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock. I mean... Lawrence Pugh's nude scenes, they weren't even like, I don't know, I don't think they were going for them to be hot. They were more awkward, if I think. I was kind of like, I just feel like she doesn't need to be naked, but at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, gotta keep it historically accurate. You had David Dash Machine as William Bourdain. Such a small, you had Rami Malik in a small role in this film. And Rami Malik is a, I'm pretty sure an Emmy Award winning actor, and he didn't even say words in his stuff. He was just holding the clipboard and got swatted down. Kind of funny. Josh Peck, Jack Quaid, and um, gosh, who? What's Roderick's name? Roderick from uh, Roderick from uh, Darwin Be Kid. They both they all played like physicists, and man, just all guys who are not really in serious roles playing serious roles. All respect to them. They did it. They did a wonderful job portraying their characters. And, you know, some of the good from Oppenheimer is the dialogue was amazing. You cannot de deny it. This film had great dialogue. Uh, just the cast was insane. I will give them that. The pace might have seemed slow, but they, they did a lot of clipping. All right. From the, from the beginning, they were clipping, like, past, present, and future clips all together. Certainly, certainly a Christopher Nolan um, perspective to filming. I've only seen like parts of Interstellar. I haven't even seen like Inception or Tenet, so I can't really like. I, I guess I've seen the Dark Knight films, but I haven't really like watched them. Like I watched them when I was little, so I wasn't really fully locked in. So this was my first like real Nolan theater experience, and I'm kind of torn on it. Kind of torn how I feel about it, <laughs> but I will give some negatives. The length was bad. I've I will reiterate that it was a very long film. The uh, there was I understand it was historically accurate. It was based off the book uh, American Prometheus, which was a very good title of a book. I won't lie, American Prometheus is a very good title. But gosh, it's just so much of the court scene, so much of the questioning of him, and I don't want to say spoiler ahead. That the nuclear bomb was underwhelming, but it was. It was underwhelming. I understand it was the first test. I understand that. I understand that they actually dropped a nuclear bomb and that the government wasn't going to sanction him to drop a freaking Hiroshima bomb. So they gave him one that they can get some footage with, nothing too crazy. But it was a bit underwhelming. And I was, I don't want to keep saying, like, oh, I wish there was more. I wish there was more. Because I should appreciate it, but I do. Okay. I, the, the length hurt me. The theater hurt me. The time I watched it at hurt me. I mean, I got out of there at like 1230. 
my mood, we, me and my two buddies, we took a, I took a video of us. I don't know if I should post it on TikTok or not, but I took videos of us before and after and just like my mood is just completely different. I'm like, I'm all high. I'm like, this is gonna be a 10 out of 10 movie. I expect only the best. And I was kind of tired after it was all over. So a lot of factors went into me not liking this, but I got to give it the 7.9. It's not an eight for me, but a seven and 7.5 are just too disrespectful. So all credit to uh, Cillian Murphy for taking on this role. And without, I kind of want to watch Peaky Blinders, though. I kind of want to watch Peaky Blinders. So, I mean, we'll see. But Oppenheimer, I do encourage everyone to watch it. It's one of those movies I do feel you need to experience to fully. Because it's like, some people can even just, like, see clips of a uh, Marvel movie and say, like, oh, okay, like, this is what I think of it. Before this movie, you truly have to experience the whole movie and I actually have to go back and watch the last hour of it I can't even remember where I started dozing off at definitely post bomb at some point it might have been when they started you know I mean they just I don't want to say they turned on him but I mean they certainly portrayed Harry Truman as an evil guy I mean so um Rob uh Jay Oppenheimer he goes into the Oval Office he's talking with uh, President Truman and President Truman he's like Oppenheimer's like I feel like there's blood on my hands and Truman basically leans in close and says, like, all amazing, like, you didn't drop that bomb. I did. And then, like, he, like, sends him out as he's walking out. He goes, get this crybaby out of my room. So I don't know if Harry Truman was, what was going on there politically, but I also heard they did a nod to um, Senator Kennedy at the end. I was kind of sleepy. My buddy told me that. So I'll have to go back and check that out. But, yes, Oppenheimer gets the 7.9 out of 10. Uh, I haven't seen too many Christopher Nolan films, but I definitely will say that uh, I like that last Batman movie better than this one. So we'll move on. We'll progress. And we go from Oppenheimer. We go from the 40s, the um, a bit of the 50s, to present day, to 2023, July 29th, the UFC 291. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I, I get so hype. I'm such, I'm such a fanboy for UFC. It's actually crazy. And... We've got ourselves a very interesting card. How many fights we got now? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11 fight cards. So if anyone did not catch the weigh-ins, the UFC weigh-ins yesterday, Michelle Pajera missed weight by 3 pounds. His fight versus Stephen Thompson is off. Very unfortunate. They will definitely punish Michelle Pajera. He will not be getting a top 10 guy now. I, I honestly think he should fight someone like Renat Fakhradinov at this point. I mean, dang it. I really wanted to see that fight. I was actually going to pick Michelle Pajera, but not anymore. Not not rocking with him anymore. So, let's dive into the card. Prelims, I assume, are kicking off at like 536. Regular prelims at like 7. And, of course, we got a main card at 9. And we're in Salt Lake City, Utah. So, you have to take the elevation into, uh, into count, right? Do they have elevation in Salt Lake City, right? I'm pretty sure they do. Or is it below sea level? I I can never recall this stuff. All I know is Colorado's above sea level. I don't know about Salt Lake City. I feel like it is, but we'll see. So let's dive in. We've got every fight to go through. Let's begin, all right? We're kicking off things in the women's flyweight division between Miranda Maverick and Priscilla Cashwera. Both these women have floated in and out of the bottom of the women's fly weight rankings but now they fight each other so Priscilla, Pris, ugh, Priscilla 
Cachoeira. I'm going to just call her Cachoeira. I like it better. Coming off a win over Ariana Lipsky in August of 2022. I remember that fight. I predicted her to do that, and she did. She is 4-1 her last five since 2020. She actually started out her UFC career 0-3 with losses to Valentina Shevchenko, Molly McCann, and Luiana Carolina. She's honestly only lost to good competition. Priscilla is legit. Uh, she stands at five foot seven, sixty-five inch reach. Definitely like striking more. I feel definitely a striker. Twelve and four professional record. I mean, they call her Zombie Girl because she can take some punches. And I mean, looking at this now, I mean, the only time she's lost, she's been finished in the UFC, are when she uh, has been submitted. So, Priscilla. Looking pretty good. She'll take on Miranda Maverick. And I do feel bad for Miranda Maverick. I mean, come into the UFC, two-fight win streak, get a big win over Jillian Robertson. The Macy Barber fight from Sanhagen versus Dillashaw fight night in 2021 was one of the most brutal robberies I've ever seen in my life. Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber, one of the greatest robberies of our generation. The only round you could give Macy Barber was round two. I mean, sorry, round three. At best. At best, you could have given her round three. But she clearly lost round one, clearly lost round two, and somehow, somehow got a decision win. But Macy Barber's legit now. So, Miranda Maverick would then lose to Aaron Blanchfield. I mean, Aaron Blanchfield's now, like, the number two or number three ranked women's flyweight in the world. But then she would beat Sabina Mazo, beat Shayna Young, and then lose to Jasmine. Jasu Davies in uh, at UFC 289. So, wow, a quick turnaround for Miranda Maverick. Just just under two months. Actually, under two months since her last fight. Miranda, I uh, ooh, I don't know. This is very good matchmaking. Good job, UFC. I uh, mm. Since Priscilla struggles with takedowns, since that's kind of Miranda's, she either gets taken down or takes people down, I'm going to pick Miranda Maverick by decision. It's not official, so I just have to talk about it. But that's who I will be picking to start off the night. But I, sh I should actually see whoever the underdog is because historically, who's ever the underdog for the opening fight, the opening like one, two, or three fights, and it's a woman's fight, historically the underdog wins. I, ki I kid you guys not. Go check it out. I just feel it happens all the time. Moving on, we check out the welterweight division for our second fight of the night as Matthew Semmelsberger will take on Euros Medic. Euros stepping in for Johan Lanes on short notice. Both these fighters are six foot one. A four inch reach though for Matthew Semmelsberger. 75 to 71. Euros coming off a win over Omar Morales earlier this year in oh my gosh not earlier this year May of 2022. He knocked out Omar Morales. It has been a while since Euros has fought. He is 2-1 the UFC, coming from the Contender Series. His only career loss and UFC losses to Jalen Turner in 2021. He lost by rear naked chokehold. As for Matthew Semmelsberger, 11-5 professional record. Came to the UFC in 2020. Uh, started out 2-0, lost to Chaos Williams. Following that, we knock out Martin Sineau in 15 seconds. I remember that. <laughs> then he'd be 4-1 before dropping a decision to Alex Morono. He would then beat Jake Matthews, dropping him three times. And then would lose a split decision to Jeremiah Wells earlier this year in April. 
I do recall that fight. Matthew was winning in the striking department, but Jeremy Wells was just too good on the ground. He's going to hang with him. I mean, good wrestling will beat good striking, is what I've heard. Is what I've heard from the experts. That's what I know. That's what I hear. So, for this fight, I'm actually torn. You kind of got two guys that like to strike. But I've seen Semmelsberger more, so I will pick him by knockout. Okay. Moving on. I mean, the big fights just keep coming. Jake Matthews, a staple in the unranked Walter Waits. Takes on Darius Flowers. Darius Flowers coming from the Contender Series. Uh, I believe he's stepping in on short notice, potentially. Actually... Oh my gosh, so he actually won from an injury against Amiran Golagadzi. That was in August 2022, so it's been almost a month. I mean, almost a year since Darius Flowers last fought. For Jake Matthews, he of course lost to Matthew Semmelsberger in December 2022. We just mentioned Matthew Semmelsberger. Uh, but before that, he had knocked out Andre Filo, lost to Sean Brady... He had previously been on a three-fight win streak. I mean, Jake Matthews has been in the UFC since 2014. I mean, he's he's lost to James Vick, lost to Kevin Lee. He's beaten Lee Jing Liang. He's beaten Diego Sanchez. I mean, this guy is this guy's fought a lot. I'll pick Jake Matthews by uh by decision. I feel like that's a safe pick. So moving on in the middleweight division. I'm excited for this middleweight matchup. Roman Kopilov versus Claudio Roberto. Roman is 10-2. and two. He started out his UFC career losing to Carl Robertson and Albert Durov, dropping two decisions, um, dropping a decision to Albert, getting submitted by Carl. But in September of 2022, he would knock out Alessio De Chirco in round number three. And earlier this year, on the first card of the year, he would kick knockout, head kick knockout, Punheli Soriano. I believe it was just says kick. I can't really recall, but Roman bringing some roman momentum into this one against Claudio Roberto. Oh my gosh, Claudio Roberto, we mentioned him earlier. One on the contender series with the 25 second knockout would lose his debut, but then in May against Joseph Holmes, he would just go crazy. TKO him. Whew, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I like both these guys, but I'm going to rock with Claudio Ribeiro by knockout. I, I really like that pick. And Claudio Ribeiro, he's an intimidating-looking guy. But um, size-wise, Claudio just has an inch in height, two inches in reach. So very similar in size. Should be a very good matchup. I'll be looking forward to this one on the prelims. Moving on to the flyweight division. CJ Vergara takes on Vincia Salvador. This is very noble. Vincius misses weight by 2.5 pounds. He will forfeit 20% of his winnings from this fight in the flyweight division. And CJ Vergara saw his reaction to uh, Salvador missing weight, and he was kind of like, can't do that, man. It's unprofessional. But CJ Vergara, 11-4, and four, currently coming off a nasty comeback win against Daniel Lacerda earlier this year. I mean, I thought he was down and out. He had been dropped two times, but he rallies, gets a TKO win. Very happy for him. And his losses are to Odie Osborne and Tatsuro Taera. And I mean, Tatsuro is an absolute dog. So, Shiji Vergara is a contender series vet. Had a nasty finish of uh, Bruno Correa in 41 seconds. So, Shiji Vergara, 
stay familiar with that name. Could be a staple in the Pirate Division. And he is my pick. Okay, Vince Vincius coming off a win on the Contender Series, but lost his debut earlier this year to Victor Altamirino. Al Terimino, who lost to Tim Elliott last time out. So, without a doubt, I'm going Vergara by TKO. No respect for people who miss weight. No respect. I mean, that's your job. Your job is to make weight, and you can't even make weight. And I know I'm no fighter, but I mean, come on. You should know better. Moving from the little boys to the, eh, I guess not the biggest boys, but Gabriel Bonfim and Trevin Giles in the 170 welterweight division. We'll close out the prelims, and you guys should be familiar with Gabriel Bonfim's name. So, for starters, Trevin's got a two-inch reach, Gabriel a one-inch height advantage, Gabriel 14 and oh, he is undefeated coming off of a Von Flu choke on the contender series earlier this year at UFC 283. He would beat Manir Lazez in 49 seconds with a guillotine choke. So Gabriel Von Vim is an absolute killer, ladies and gentlemen. And I mean, he's only 26. Actually, I think he's, pardon me, Gabriel Von Vim's 25 years old. And I mean, the finish is just finishes just pile up for him he he is he actually has a brother named Ismail Bonfim Ismail um of course fought Terrence McKinney last time lost to uh Benoit Saint-Denis but I mean when your older brother is and I actually did not realize that they they were in such a I thought they were in the same division the Bonfim brothers but I mean he is Gabriel Bonfim he's got 35 pounds on him. So, out of all his fights, Gabriel has never been the distance. That's right. 14 wins, 14 finishes. Whew, that Monir Lazez uh, guillotine choke was nasty. Enough gloating about uh, Gabriel Bonfim. Next name is Maratina. Ma Marentina. I don't know. I struggle with those nicknames, but Trevin Giles is coming off of a. Is, Coming off a split decision win over Preston Parsons. Currently on a two-fight win streak. He's been in the UFC since 2017. Usually either strings together wins or strings together losses. So, we'll see after this one. I mean, Trevin, Trevin actually lost to Driscus Duplessis before dropping down to... Uh, he lost to Driscus in 2021. Drops down to uh, welterweight. And gets knocked out by Michael Morales, but uh, he's finally found his footing. Wins over Luis Koch and Preston Parsons. I mean, this is crazy. Trevin actually holds a win over Roman Dolodese. That, that's just crazy because Roman's just an absolute dog, and it's just weird that this guy Trevin Giles is beaten. I believe that was at actually would have been at 185. So Trevin Giles is legit, but I mean, when we have a 14-0 prospect with 14 finishes, do do you think I'm going to pick against him? Maybe. Maybe I'll pick against him, but not here. Gabriel Bonfim by submission in round one. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, Bonfim, we're picking you. But enough with these prelims, which we've actually recorded. If no one knows, I missed my prelims on July 15th. My uh, mic wasn't recording, and I predicted them all correctly. So, let's hope that this caught all the prelims, and it did. But let's dive into the main card. Good. We're, we got some ranked fighters right off the bat. I mean, I'm so excited for this main card. If you can't tell, we're starting off in the welterweight division. I mean, welterweight. Gosh, how many welterweight fights did we have on the prelims? We had two two welterweight fights. 
Actually, no, we had three welterweight fights. So this will be our fourth and final welterweight fight of the night, and it features number 12 ranked Michael Chiesa taking on unranked. Always entertaining, always funny, Kevin Holland. Oh my goodness. I've played this fight so many times in UFC 4. It's going to be a tough, close one. All right, Kevin, he's got the height, two inches, but it's that six-inch reach that's going to be playing a big discrepancy in this fight. <laughs> Kevin Holland coming off of a knockout win over Santiago Ponzinibbio in April of this year. Knocked him out cold in round three after pretty much winning the striking battle. The first two rounds, Kevin Holland's coming in with a lot of momentum. And I mean, this this new version of Kevin Holland kind of kind of sprung about in 2020 when he stringed together five wins. Lost some main events against Derek Brunson Marvatory, was brutally outgrappled. Gets a no contest against Kyle Dawkins when they have a head clash. Then, since dropping down to welterweight, he's three and two. And actually he's three and one. I should say that Hamza Chamaya fight was not at 170. I mean, he's finished Alex Alvaro and Tim Means in round two, both performance bonuses. Takes a Hamza Chamaya fight at 24 hours notice, gets submitted, but showed some excellent scrambling skills. The Wonder Boy fight in December of 2022. I mean, I thought Kevin was doing good until he broke his hand. But, you know, Kevin Holland, I love him, man. He's coming in off a knockout win. And he actually has more fights than Michael Chiesa despite having, like, six years less UFC experience time. But Michael Chiesa, I mean, this is, this, is my, this is my favorite fact. Michael Chiesa has not fought since November 20th, 2021. 2021. Do we know how many days ago that was? I need an official thing. How many days ago was November 20th, 2021? How many days ago? 616. It has been 616 days since Michael Chiesa last fought, and he's on a two-fight losing streak. Now, the Vicente Luque fight in uh, 2021, yes. Michael gets a takedown, lets his neck get open, gets starstruck. Now, the Sean Brady fight. Sean wins round one and two and then gets brutalized in round number three. But it was crazy seeing Michael Chiesa get out grappled by Sean Brady. But then we saw Sean Brady... Getting TKO'd on the feet against um, <laughs> Bilal Muhammad. So, this should be a very close fight, my uh, my official prediction. You want to hear it? I see a lot of ways this fight going, all right? Number one, and hopefully hopefully this doesn't happen, but this is probably one of the more likely options, is Michael Chiesa turns into Habib Chiesa and just grapples Kevin Holland through three rounds, just brutally outgrapples him, because that's always been a weakness in Kevin Holland's game plan or Kevin Holland catches Kiesa's neck on the shoot lands a darts choke lands a guillotine lands a rear naked choke gets a submission or what I think is the most plausible and what I'm predicting is Kevin Holland by knockout I'm gonna say round two I'm gonna say a round two knockout for Kevin Holland but that is my prediction I would go with a Kevin Holland round two knockout and historically if you would all like to know Kevin Holland has one, two. Oh, I guess he has, I guess he has a number of finishes in round one, round two. Actually, I think all his finishes happen in different rounds. So we'll see. But I think if he's going to catch Kiesa, it's going to be in the opening two rounds. Because Kiesa does have good cardio. He does have good cardio. Oh, man. Do we even have to talk about the next fight, guys? 
Do we even have to talk about the next fight? Okay, we will. We will just for the people. Just for people. Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green in the lightweight division. Let's view the matchup. Okay, Tony. Tony actually has an inch in height and five inches in reach. Both these guys in their 30s, both born in the late, actually the mid-80s, actually. Bobby Green, 29-14-1 with a no contest. Tony Ferguson, 26-8. and Let's look at Bobby King Green. Bobby is somehow, this just feels weird, has somehow not won a fight since February 2022. Which, when we look at it, all right. He lost to Islam Makachev on short notice. He then gets knocked out by Drew Dober in a fight he was doing so good in and then had a no contest against Jared Gordon earlier this year where he was looking good. But he gets rewarded with Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green, ladies and gentlemen. He has been in the UFC since the strike force days. Oh my gosh. I mean, Bobby Green's been doing this over a decade. And I mean, he has just fought so many people. He's fought James Cross. He's fought Pat Healy. He's fought Edson Barbosa. He's fought Dustin Poirier. He's fought Lando Venata multiple times, fought Jakar Close, Francisco Trinaldo, Clay Guida, I mean, Tiago Moises. He took Rafael Fazif to a decision and even won the third round over him. He's knocked out Ally Quinta. He's beaten, the, he's landed 188 significant strikes on Nazareth Hawks, Passerat, Bobby Green, an absolute menace. He was pulled up in a red, red, um, red, uh, bulletproof vest and a, uh, Sideways hat, I mean, Bobby Green had such, he was looking so drippy at the press conference and the weigh-ins, and he takes on Tony Ferguson, and there was a time when Tony fights used to be fun, he was on a 12-fight win streak, I mean, he had finished all but, gosh, like, five of those fights, I mean, actually, all but, like, three of them, actually, I mean, Tony Ferguson, Won the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, his only loss in the UFC was Michael Johnson. There was a time Tony Ferguson was 15-1 and in the UFC. Then 2020 hits, and something happens to El Kukui, man. Justin Gaethje just finishes him in round number five for the first time in his career. He gets DKO. Then in back-to-back -back fights against Charles Oliver and the Irish, he just gets brutally out-jiu-jitsued, out-grappled. Those were some boring fights, all right? But then, Michael Chandler. So, here's the thing. May 2022, Tony Ferguson looks excellent in round one against Michael Chandler, you know? He drops him, he's landing on stuff. Chandler does finish on the top, but not much to say there. Round two kicks off, 17 seconds in. Michael Chandler kicks Tony Ferguson's head like a freaking football on a punt. Oh my goodness, I'm still not over that. That's one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen. Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler at UFC 274. Gosh, it was so sad to see. It was very it was very depressing seeing Tony Ferguson get face planted. But then he returned September 2022. Uh short notice, 24 hour notice, takes out Nate Diaz in the main event of UFC 279 and gets submitted. He somehow gets guillotine choked for the first time in his career. El Kakui was once feared. And now He's more of a fox. He's tricked He's tricked everyone at every press conference. He's back, and I'm not falling for it this time. You may be saying Tony looks different at this pod, at this uh, presser. No. Once you get to the octagon, you're going to see the Tony you've seen in your last five fights. <sighs> so, without ado, Bobby Green by round two knockout. I mean, you know what? 
Screw this. I'm not going Bobby in round one, man. I'm going Bobby Green in round one knockout. I just... Oh, man. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. I won't lie. I'm not even going to lie. Bobby Green's going to do foul thanks to Tony. But maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe I'll eat my words, guys. Maybe Tony Ferguson will break out some old tricks. Freaking submit Bobby Green. That'd be awesome. I, I'm rocking with Bobby Green. But if Tony wins... I will not be I will not be mad. I will be very happy to see Tony Ferguson get another win. But it's just so tough, man. See, it's tough when you see the legends fall hard like this. I mean, it happened to BJ Penn. Um, it happened to uh gosh, who else did it happen to? Not Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler did ended his career good. Um I guess Tyron Woodley. I'll say Tyron Woodley. I guess, if you want to say it, but Moving on to the heavyweight division. I mean, we were supposed to get Paulo Costa and Ikram Alcacerov. We then got Michelle Pair and Wonderboy Thompson. And now we've wound up with Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rodríguez de Lima on the main card. Um, I'm starting to notice that there's not a number 15. I think the, I think the rankings site is glitching. But I do believe Marcos Jose Lima is ranked number 15 at heavyweight. Derek Lewis is ranked number 11. Whew, we got some big boys here, ladies and gentlemen. 262 pounds for Derek Lewis, and he's rocking a six-pack. Derek looks in great shape. Marcos Jose Lima coming in the 250 range, maybe 260-something. I don't know. Height, two inches for Derek Lewis. Reach, four inches for Derek Lewis. So he does have size against Marcos Jose Lima. But... We will talk about Derek in a second. As for Marcos, currently on a two-fight win streak, actually coming off of a Andre Arlovski rear-naked chokehold and humbled Waldo Cortez Acosta by uh, taking him down three times. So Marcos is 4-1 and one in his last five. I mean, if you want to go even farther than that, he's 5-2 and two his last seven. So, I mean, Marcos been doing it. In the UFC since 2011, he fought in Strikeforce, but in 2014, he officially began his UFC run. I mean, he actually lost to Nikita Krylov in 2015, lost to Ovin St. Prue in 2017, lost to Stefan Struve in 2019. All these losses by submission. But, oh, knocked out Ben Sassoli at, in, uh, at um, UFC Fight Night Felder and Hooker, I remember that. Gets uh, forearm choked by Alexander Romanov. But Marcos has looked good as of late. I mean, the finishes of Ben Rothwell and Andrei Lovsky are very impressive. And I mean, he's got power in those hands. But if you're going to make this a striking battle, you will lose because he's taken on the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. I mean, Derek's been doing this since 2014. I mean, who hasn't Derek fought? All right. Who hasn't Derek beat? He's knocked out Gabriel Gonzaga. He's beaten Roy Nelson. He's knocked out Shamil Abdurkimov. He's knocked out Travis Brown. He's knocked out Marcin Debura. He has a win over Francis Ngannou. He's knocked out Alexander Volkov in the greatest comeback in UFC history. One of them, actually. He's fought for the belt multiple times. I mean, he's knocked out Alexia Linick. He's knocked out Curtis Blades. He's knocked out Chris Dacus. Derek Lewis, forever a legend in the sport. He may be on a three-fight losing streak, ladies and gentlemen. Was his last loss brutal? They've gotten worse. I won't lie. They've gotten worse. I mean, Sergey Spivak earlier this year, I'll gravel him. Derek did even land a strike. Did he even throw a strike? Did Derek Lewis even throw a strike? Derek Lewis officially threw three strikes. Didn't land a single one. 
Look, the Sergey Pavlovich stoppage at UFC 277, that was an early stoppage, okay? But at the same time, Sergey was probably going to mess him up even more. Had um, Dan Mergliata not stepped in, the tie to Ivasa knockout, I mean... <laughs> That was just, Ty was in his prime, man. You were not stopping Ty in that little, on that night. Um, of course, knocked out Dawkins. Zero gone fight we're not even going to talk about, but I mean, Derek Lewis has not been the distance since, oh gosh, February of 2020. Wow. Marco Strios de Lima is hit or miss on going the distance. But I would pick Marcos, but I can't. I got to rock with Derek Lewis, ladies and gentlemen. Derek Lewis by round one knockout. I thought Derek would beat Sergey Spivak. He did not. But I'm not abandoning my boy. I am not abandoning my boy. All right, Derek Lewis, you got this. Knock out Marcos for Jesse Lima. Send him packing back to Brazil. Show him that Houston spirit. Oh. And I think it's funny that I have like no faith in Tony, but then I'm putting faith in Derek Lewis. And that's only because, yeah, honestly, those fights are... Wow, Derek Lewis, Marcos Strios de Lima, Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green, very similar storylines. Two legends falling off. Two guys who've been doing this a while, getting a bit of a bump up in competition. Very interesting. Very interesting, but let's talk about the next fight. I am very, very, very torn on this uh, on this fight. In the light heavyweight division, Jan Blachowicz, Alex Pajera. So, Jan is actually ranked number three in the light heavyweight division. Alex Pajera currently ranked number two in the middleweight division. Alex is moving up as he should, as he should move up. Um, but let's check out the, I know Alex came at 205.5, so I mean, Poetan is looking heavy. He has an inch in reach and two inches in height, I mean. Alex is, a, Alex is a big specimen. I mean, on his freaking fist, he has, like, stones tattooed. I mean, that is so intimidating. But Alex Pajera, 7-2 professional record. He suffered his first um, UFC loss against Israel Adesanya earlier this uh, year in April. But before that, had three of four finishes in his four UFC wins. And three of those finishes were all performance bonuses. I mean... DeAndres Michelda's flying knee was crazy. He then, I don't know how Bruno Silva survived him, honestly. Sean Strickland tried to stand with him, gets knocked out in round one, and the Israel outside you come back. I mean, we'll remember that for as long as we follow MMA. But I mean, he is coming off of getting knocked out cold by Adesanya in April. I mean, he was knocked out cold. He was asleep. He was he was dreaming about counting sheep in freaking. April, and he's already back, and he's taking on the Polish power, Jan Blachowicz. If, if no one knows, I love Jan Blachowicz. Jan has been in the UFC multiple times. He had a little run from 2014 to, uh, or no, actually, he's been in the UFC since 2014. He was about to get cut. There was a time he was 2-4, and four, but he stringed together four straight victories. Losing to Tiago, he would then string together five, including winning the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship and defending it. He would lose it to Glover, beat Rockage by injury, then have a draw against Magomed in December. But he finds himself here in the co-main event of UFC 291. 
and there are lots of things to look at here. All right. I think there's two notable things. One is for Hyun is the fact that, look, Pajero was just knocked out, all right? Your chin does not fully recover. You mentally, you mentally have to be aware. And you have to mentally be prepared to face the Polish power. I mean, Han has crazy knockout power. He's knocked out Dominic Reyes, knocked out Corey Anderson, knocked out Luke Rockhold. I mean, he's got some nice knockouts. He does have a grappling disadvantage against light heavyweights. I mean, Rockets took him down. Magomed took him down. Magomed, I'm pretty sure, won the fight from those takedowns. Um, Glover took him down. But we look at his wins over Adesanya. And we'll even say someone like Nikita Krylov, which is pretty much irrelevant at this point. But still, I mean, he was taking down Israel Adesanya with ease. I feel like he can do that to Pajero, who has even less takedown defense. So, Hyun has the power. And the takedowns. But Alex Pereira has a left hook. And as we've seen, Glover used the left hook to beat him. And Thiago Santos used the left hook to beat him. Now, we can't really look at the Magomed Ankalaev draw. Because, I mean, Sean won the first two rounds from striking. Round three was very debatable. But I feel like rounds four and five were both 10-8s for Magomed Ankalaev. So, Sean is coming off of an interesting loss. But certainly was not from the striking. It was from the ground game. Alex Pereira has zero ground game. So we're, I, I was feeling Hyun by a knockout, but I'm actually going to go Hyun by TKO from takedowns, just getting on top and just pounding away on Alex Pajera. So we are going to pick the Polish power, Hyun Blachowicz, but this is going to be a very close fight. I have nothing like riding or dying on this fight. So I'm kind of cool with whoever wins. I kind of just want to be entertaining, be, be a good fight. But yes, Hyun Pajera. Someone's going to sleep. Someone's going to sleep. Or maybe not. I'm going with Jan, but don't count up Poetan's power, okay? And whoever wins this will definitely be ranked number... I'd say number three or number two in uh, the light heavyweight division. So, there's that. Well, let's get into the main event. The whole reason we're paying Dana, like, 80 freaking dollars. We've got number two and number three, Justin Gaethje. Number two, Justin Poirier. Number three, Justin Gaethje. In the men's lightweight division. Whoo, the rematch. Five years in the making. Justin Gaethje's got two inches in height. Dustin Poirier's got two inches in reach. I mean, these two are just the diamond, the highlight. There's even as they come. Let's look at Justin Gaethje, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Gaethje, we'll start from the beginning. All right. Comes in the UFC undefeated, beats Michael Johnson in a performance and fight of the night. Alright, that's a performance of the night and a fight of the night. Alright. He would then have fight of the nights against Eddie Alvarez and the man who he's rematching, Dustin Poirier. Poirier would uh, knock out Justin Gaethje in round number four. I want you all to remember that when I go through my review. He would then performance bonus knockout James Vick. Fight of the night, knockout, Edson Barbosa. Performance bonus, Donald Sobron. Fight of the night and performance bonus, finish, Tony Ferguson. Then he would lose to Habib. He would then have a fight of the night against Michael Chandler, where he went the distance for the first time in his career. He would then lose to Charles Oliveira in one of the craziest opening rounds, UFC 274. Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, one of the craziest opening rounds I've ever seen in MMA. So entertaining, all right? But his last fight out against Hafel Fazeev, March 2023. It was close. They were striking. 
but Gaethje landed more damage and gets the majority decision by the night victory. I mean, Justin Gaethje has only not gotten a performance bonus or a post-fight bonus, I should say, in two fights, and that's Habib and Charles Oliveira, where Habib and Charles Oliveira got um, performance bonuses. So, I mean, Gaethje is truly the highlight reel, truly so entertaining, and he looked so technical against Fazeev. I mean, watching the Charles Oliveira fight, he just looked so out of place. He looked like they just threw this guy in a cage who kind of knew how to just swing, and that's all he was doing. But he looked good against Fazeev. I mean, he was able to outbox Fazeev, which is impressive about kickbox even. But he's taking on the diamond. Dustin Poirier. We'll go back to the beginning. All right. Poirier was kind of an average fighter. I mean, debuted in the WEC in 2010. I mean, he would actually beat Max Holloway in like his fourth UFC fight. Lose to Chan Sung Jung in his first uh, fight night. Uh, lose to Cub Swanson. I mean, lose to Conor McGregor in 2014. He then stringed together some wins over Diego Pejera, Yancy Medeiros, Joe Duffy. Knocked out Bobby Green. He would then get finished by Michael Johnson. Win a fight of the night over Jim Miller. Majority decision. Have a no contest against Eddie Alvarez. Beat Anthony Pettis in 2017. And after that, the diamond was officially born. Finishing Justin Gaethje in round number four. Finishing Eddie Alvarez in their rematch in round number two. Having a fight of the year candidate against Dustin, I mean, against Max Holloway in 2019. He would fight Habib for the lightweight championship in 2019, losing by third round rear naked choke. Fight of the night against Dan Hooker and this modern day Dustin Poirier, who beat McGregor in back to back fights. The second fight, I mean, their third installment, I should say. I mean, McGregor did break his foot. But, I mean, that first fight, I mean, he dropped round one to McGregor and then came back and knocked him out in round number two. Crazy stuff. He would then fight Charles Oliveira for the belt in a fight he was supposed to win in 2021. But you already know, the Bronx had his number. He would come back in November of 2022 and have a fight of the night win against Michael Chandler. Notable things from that fight, which we probably won't see in this, is that Chandler was able to use grappling to beat Poirier in round number two. And Chandler starts fast, and he almost finished Poirier in the opening moments, but Poirier rallied and probably won round two. But by the time round three came, Chandler was gassed. Poirier knew what to do, got the rear naked choke. Whew, there's a lot to unpack here, guys. These two both love to strike. I think if we're going to see any takedowns, it's going to be from Dustin Poirier, which he didn't rule out. But he says, you should just expect what, you shouldn't expect anything um, unsuspecting, all right, I mean, these guys both love to stand and strike, it's the rematch, some weird thing, this is super weird, they both have double-digit fights in the UFC, their average fight time is both 10 minutes and 6 seconds, that's super weird, that's super weird, another stat I saw is that they both lost to Khabib and Charles Oliveira, they've both beaten Michael Chandler, and since they fought, this is super weird. Since they fought, they're both six and two, I believe. Is this true? One, two, three, four, five. They're both six and two since they last fought. That's so weird. That's so weird. The stats don't lie. This is going to be a beggar in Salt Lake City. This is one of the most unsuspecting main events of the year. Like, no one saw this being revealed. 
no one no one had no one saw this being revealed. And 291 drops, and you're like, oh my gosh, we're getting all these fights. This is going to be the main event, the BMF Championship. That is right. Jorge Masvidal, no longer your BMF. I mean, if anything, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns should all be BMFs. They beat Jorge Masvidal. I mean, this is this is going to be crazy. All right? And hopefully whoever wins this can defend the BMF belt. All right? I understand it's gimmicky. But you can make it not gimmicky by actually defending it. So, who are we picking? Who are we picking in this fight where they're so even? They're so even. The rematch. Five years later, you know me. I love a story. I love it when it's poetic. We're going Justin Gaethje round four knockout. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Round four knockout from Justin Gaethje. Wow. Wow. This is going to be. This is going to be such a good fight night. I'm so pumped for this. All right. The, the the elevation, will it play a role in this fight? I think they both have good stamina. I do think that of all the people on the main card, Derek Lewis will struggle the most. But there's that. And um, I actually just got a notification that Alex Bahara has rehydrated up to 228 pounds per his Instagram. So Hyan is fighting an absolute monster. But, hmm. Whew. My main event, Poirier Gaethje. We're rocking with Gaethje by knockout in round four. P- cold knockout. He's putting Poirier to sleep. All right. These are going to be bangers up and down the card. Let's reiterate all of our picks for the 11 fight card. Remember, all main card predictions are official. Prelims are unofficial. Miranda Maverick versus Priscilla Cachuera. We are going to go with Miranda Maverick by decision using her grappling. Matthew Semmelsberger versus Euros Medic. We're going Matthew Semmelsberger by knockout. We'll throw out round one in there. Jake Matthews versus Darius Flowers. Jake Matthews by decision. Roman Kopilov versus Claudio Rivera. Claudio by round two knockout. CJ Vergara versus Vincius Salvador. We're going to go CJ Vergara by round two knockout. Gabriel Bonfim versus Trevin Giles. Gabriel by round one submission. Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland round two knockout. Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green. Bobby Green, round one knockout. Derek Lewis, Marcos Rojas de Lima. Derek Lewis, round one knockout. Jan Blachowicz versus Alex Pajera. Jan, round two knockout. And Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. The highlight reel, Justin Gaethje, in round number four by knockout. You know me. I love to predict finishes. I mean, it's more fun when you're predicting finishes. But that's UFC 291, ladies and gentlemen. That's all you need to know. All the fights, all the excitement. It's going to be a banger. I actually have to still go buy it, so... We'll have to do that after we're done. Huh. But this high does not stop here because guess what? We have a surprise topic. That's right. We are talking about a conspiracy theory to end the episode. I was I was debating sending it with UFC 291, but the fun don't stop. All right. So I'm going to take a quick little break. Then we're going to dive into the Mon Talk project. All right. Unfortunately, uh, upon um, filming, starting to film my uh, conspiracy theory part on the Montauk project, we uh, we unfortunately realized that uh, we're glitching and lagging a lot, and I'm not even able to really fully read all my notes, read the slides I was using. So, sadly, we'll have to end there. We'll have to save the Montauk project for a future episode when I'm actually in a spot where I can record with good internet and stuff. So... Sadly, no conspiracy theories this episode, but 
We did talk about UFC 291. We talked about the Ultimate Fighter. We talked about Oppenheimer. Gave our review of that. A little bit of NFL. So that's unfortunately how we're going to have to end the episode. Kind of on a sad note. I kind of wanted to talk about uh, the Montauk Project. But talking about UFC 291 was fun. So I hope that you all had some fun times listening to this. You were surprised with some stuff I said. I encourage everyone to watch UFC 291 tonight. Go see Oppenheimer. And just have an amazing Saturday. God bless everyone. We'll be back with more surprising topics next time.